Hey y'all, this is Jonquel Jones and you are logged into 10thyearseniors.com. Welcome to a very special episode of The Accredited. I'm Ronaldo. And on location, you know what? I actually don't know where in the world John is. This is a running topic on 10YS, where in the world is John? John is covering the WNBA Finals. And he is giving us basket-by-basket, rebound-by-rebound coverage of John Quell Jones, the only Bahamian media member to do so, by the way. I got, I got to plug us. But John has been traveling from Washington to Boston to Connecticut, all over the world. First of all, John, where the hell are you? I'm in Quincy right now. I, I don't even know what that is. I have no idea what that is. Right next to Boston. I flew into Boston. I'm staying by a friend in Quincy. So it beats up paying for a hotel. I mean, always. 10YS knows how to how to travel big budget. And by big budget, I mean we stay with friends. We stay on couches. Exactly. That, that's kind of that's that's our thing. But we thought this was something so important that we had to be there for this one. Because not just for Bahamian basketball, but for Bahamian sport in general, this is something unprecedented. unprecedented. What John Quell is doing right now has never been done before. And I know we're... Uh, track and field oriented country that's the thing that we've been known for that's thrust us on the world stage but we've never had a player in the WNBA play at the level that John Quell has we've never had a player in the WNBA finals and not only is she there but she is dominating she became the story of game two and even before the playoffs started you saw different publications like the Players Tribune, Bleacher Report everybody started to do these stories on John Quell and her rise, no pun intended, as a WNBA superstar. From what you've seen just after games one and two on the road in Washington, have you seen that superstar appeal from John Quell where people have just taken her in and embraced her for what she is? Well, the thing about John Quell is she is the main story regardless of, of what you want to say with the Connecticut Sun. Like, she's probably the youngest, most promising player they still have. And she hasn't even, what I feel hit her full potential you know she's still an all-star um she's been like what four years a two-time all-star um everyone and, and she's just a fun person to be around so even the media you know she jokes around with the media around there um the mb WNBA media um so she has everything that she needs to be a bona fide superstar in the WNBA. and it, it's almost as if there was a perfect storm of circumstances and I, obviously we know how, how tragic Hurricane Dorian was but through that tragedy what that did was that gave John Quell a voice to do something bigger than basketball so you had the Players Tribune story where people got some insight into her and then she was one of the leading voices with a lot of other sports figures in the Bahamas with the Hurricane Dorian relief effort. And you saw the Chicago Sky come out and support her. The the Sun, they supported her. And so you saw the side of her that was giving these philanthropic efforts. And then she continues to back that up on the court. And then they get all the way to the WNBA Finals. So it's almost as if everything is perfectly falling into place for her star climb. Yeah, no, definitely, and you could just you could just see it like 
she's one of these players and you know everyone looks at the WNBA and they always think of it as oh it's lesser than what what it is but it's still the top of the level of, of women's basketball but she's using a platform like everyone else is and now being on ESPN ABC and everything like the platform is just bigger than, than what they're used to in the in the regular season so she definitely knows how to take advantage of the situation of um trying to help the cause for sure well, what kind of reception have you been getting from you know the the different media outlets or from the team outlets i know whenever we travel people sometimes they're kind of surprised that a small bahamian company is there covering that kind of thing but i know this isn't your first time covering a john quill game by the way like you were at a regular season game last year but now this uh, is at the biggest a couple of years ago in a rookie season i went to one of her games yeah there you go. And so now this is the WNBA, but what has the reception been like when people see, well, there's a Bahamian person here, they're documenting this entire thing? I mean, to be honest with you, it seems that John Quill just seems to be happier, you know, because you know how we always say, once you have that connection with someone of being from the Bahamas, it changes everything. It isn't no longer like, you know, media this, media that. It's like, she's like, oh, snap, you came all the way up here to, to come see me. Um, do this and you know you, you always said it's like I'm not missing this because it's the first time it's a Bahamian making the WNBA finals like this wasn't in the budget but you have to make it in the budget <laughs> that, that, that's all you have to say but no people um, you get a lot of reception especially with the Connecticut side um, because the first question you're getting asked though is how were you during the hurricane and then you have to explain to the people that you know it's only the northern Bahamas that got hit hard, so it's a lot of education on this trip with the uh, with being from the Bahamas, because that's that's the first question you're getting asked, and you know people are saying what could we do type stuff to help. So um, it's big, as they always say, it's bigger than basketball. Uh, the media really isn't coming in with basketball questions per se. It's more of what's going on post hurricane in the Bahamas. So you got there to Washington ahead of Game One. What was the vibe like? What were what were the sun looking like? Were they loose? Were they a bit tight? Because they had the they had the double by straight through to the semis for the first time, took care of the semifinals against the Sparks, and then you you get to the finals against Washington. But what was the vibe like playing on the road for this team? Well, first of all, because I was in New York, I had to book the tickets in New York because we didn't know where the series was going to even start when John Quill them qualified. So I drove through five states, apparently, because the Northeast is just like that. And when I got to D.C., I got right to the, um, I, I went right to the arena. So it's just, it, it's, I don't know, it, it, it definitely, you could tell it's a professional game, but it's not like the NBA. It's way more, I believe, relaxed. Like, um, the players are out there on the court doing pregame interviews, as you know, we used to doing that in the locker room pregame. Uh, yeah, I, I did notice that when you when you did the pregame with her. And, you yeah. know, I said to myself, this is courtside. This is different. Yeah, no, it, it's way relaxed. And the players and the coaches and even uh, the media and, and the personalities, the TV people, they're more open to, to do things with the WNBA, like, before the game, before tip-off. Like, everything is, like, it, it's almost like everything's in play. There's nothing, like, everything's out of play. And, and that's just me going to NBA games where, you know, the security is like, oh, this, this, no, no, you can't be here, you can't stand here. But it's it, it's a good vibe. Like, you get in there, it's, and it's the biggest game, so it's a little different than a regular season game. 
but you know it, it was a good vibe when i spoke to john quill you could especially at the beginning when i first was just chatting with her you could see she was nervous you know and that's expected because this is the biggest game yeah uh, i mean well to that point that was the biggest game of her career game one of the finals yeah. biggest game um she kept saying people would uh, keep doubting us people told us we shouldn't be here because of the superstar thing now if i could go back in the entire interview I will say, I know people are saying that there's no superstars, but they're wrong because you're a superstar. I had to let her know that before the interview. Yeah. Because, you know. I mean, great plug, and also, also that's facts, though. But, yeah. but I'll tell you what Connecticut did a great job of doing, though, and they built this up from the end of the regular season. They had their whole New England Patriots, nobody believes in us thing, down to a T. They had yeah. shirts with the with the disrespect, and they had it in in small letters. But the C and T for Connecticut were capitalized, and yeah. then they just their their social media team has done a good job with it too. Because everybody that picks another team to beat them, whether it was Los Angeles or whether it's Washington in the finals, they just post them on their Twitter page, and then they have the meme of the guy writing it in his notepad. So it's like it's like they're they're making a list to everybody that didn't believe in them and. Does it seem to you like the entire roster buys into that? It's us against the entire WNBA world right now. Well, yeah, that's the attitude that they've taken. They've taken that. If what well, the attitude is is we believe in ourselves, so that's all that matters. You know, it's it's not just like even after game one when I spoke to John Quill. Like after I spoke to her, well, not after game one because I just went back to the hotel. I was tired, but when I went to pregame shoot around after the interview, she's like, "Don't worry, we got this." You know. So she must have had bigger, new, bigger plans. That's all I could say. No, but, but it's like there was there, there was never any worry or doubt in their ability to be able to play. Yeah, she did have that that energy even after game one. So game one, Washington wins it at home. John Quell has, uh, you know, a, a game not up to her standard. She finishes with twelve point six boards, four assists. But the biggest deal in that game was she only took eight shots. And that was yeah. one of the first things that uh, Coach Miller said in the post-game press conference. We have to find a way to play through John Quell. We have to find a way to get her more shots. And furthermore, in that game, she didn't have a single offensive rebound. So that's not only that, not even a block shot. And she not a block shot, not and, an offensive rebound. And that was the biggest thing. So here is Sun head coach Kurt Miller talking about how the team needed to make this adjustment headed into Game 2, getting John Quell more involved in the offense. Yeah, I don't think we were shy, Howard, of talking about we had to play through J.J. Moore. Did, if, was that going to be shots? But at least touches. Um, and it started right from the beginning. We got her shots in the first quarter. And then as we've talked, you know, sometimes her shot attempts are misleading when she can't get on the offensive glass. Uh, Washington does as good a job of keeping her off the offensive glass of anyone in the league. Over the four games we played this year, she averaged barely one, not more than one, one point something, offensive rebound. Her high for the year against them was three offensive rebounds. So she went and created a lot of her own offense even when we weren't playing through her. Um, and that was just huge for us for second opportunities. When I spoke to her the next day, and I was asking her, and I was like, you know, what are they doing? Because John Quill is a player where, just watching her, she feeds off everything she does. She isn't, she's not the most gifted offensive player in the WNBA. She could get a shot off, she could shoot the ball, she's good, she's good at it. But she feeds off all assets of the game. 
a lot of the times I think is I think it's her defense. Yeah, that defense, that really gets her going. Yeah, defense is an engine to be able to put up the numbers that she puts up on offense. So it's one of those things where that first game she was just out of sync, you know. And even the, the, if you watch that first quarter in that first game, they weren't running their plays properly. Um, like they they were trying to play a high low and they could never get the ball in the post, you know, to do the high low offense or whatever. And it was just it was just a lot of mistakes. And they were down by what fifteen points in the first quarter. Yeah, they were. Uh, and and Washington shot Danny Green style against the Heat. They were it did look. You know what? <laughs> it looked just like Heat Spurs because after that first quarter, it was pretty much almost done to that point. And they yeah. were they were scrapping by, clawing back in the game. I think in the fourth quarter they got it to they within got to six, six points and then. They, they couldn't get they, they could have got it to they they shot a three and they missed it and then Washington came back down and hit a three so you you know that was it that that's when you could say that that's when the game was over but it did as bad as that went it did look promising because you look at it and you think okay if Washington didn't have that hot start what would the rest of this game like look like and then you also thought well everyone from Connecticut is saying the right thing and yeah they do have to do that like when you hear John Quill say they're spacing us out we have to play better one-on-one you think well yeah you got to do that and when you hear Miller say we need to play through John Quill you agree with that too so it seems as if they had an idea what they had to do going into game two and they did just that. So this is John and John Quell after game two talking about her performance and everything that went right out there for her and for the Sun. Yeah, man, I honestly, it feels great. Um, you know, I feel like that was a big adjustment that needed to happen. Um, and I have to be I have to be present in the series. This is the championship. You know, I can't take plays off. And so when I went back and watched game one and, and just saw the statistics and stuff, I felt like it was a lot of ways that I could impact the game. And even your shooting, you were 13 for 24, a lot of offense. It was a WNBA record for offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. We spoke about your defensive game the mm-hmm. other day, three blocks. I mean, how does everything just gel once you're able to get blocks and offensive rebounds to improve the game? Yeah, those are the two things that really like open the game up for me um i think once i'm able to do that i feel like i'm very very hard to stop um and tonight it was just it was going the right way the balls are bouncing the right way i felt like i was putting myself in good position and just working really hard um, everything got to go to john quell anyway so we ain't care i mean that's that, that's the main point for us i mean ain't nobody say you had to be uh objective with this journalism thing we could be completely subjective give it to john quell every time as a matter of fact they should run the bel-air academy offense just pass it to will exactly and will is john quill that worked we, that worked by the way in game yeah. two but we all know when the tide turned though <laughs> yes Yes, before we even actually... I mean, well, by now, everybody knows what happened in Game 2. John Quill dropped 32-18 WNBA playoff record for offensive boards. Three block shots. Three block shots. Second most rebounds in a, in a WNBA Finals game. The first player ever to have a 30-15 game in the WNBA Finals. But... Plus minus a 25. I mean, this is, it's just insane how the difference of her on the court. None of this would have been possible, by the way. First of all, if you're listening to this, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay? You're welcome. Yes, Jonquil put in thousands of hours over the course of her career to get to the point where she is now to become one of the best players in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all well and good. What happened ahead of Game 2 that changed the trajectory of this series and possibly Bahamian basketball history forever. Take it away, John. Yeah, so I gotta go back to game one. So game one, 
you know, I just got off the, the bus because, you know, we travel luxury, Greyhound. You could always plug us in for a sponsorship, Greyhound, because we tra- I use you a lot. I mean, um, you should, Greyhound. Yeah. <laughs> I get to the game, and I I, I interview Jogger. I say, yeah, I got something for you. So I gave her a Goombay punch because, you know, I saw on the snap she had the snapper and the peas and rice and all that, and I was like, that don't make no sense if you don't have the right soda with it, you know? I mean, of course it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, so I gave her the, the soda, and in the back of my head, I was like, ah, oh, I got the stuff in the, the shirt and the bag. I, I got to give that to her, you know, later. I give that to her after the game. So what happened was they lost game one. So then I was just like, I'm just going, like I said earlier, I'm just going to go back to the hotel. So game two, I had the shirt. So I go and I take the shirt, and I interview, and I say, yeah, I got something for you. So I show her both the shirts. I had a large and a medium. And she took the large because, you know, her torso was funny. I mean, she's 6'6". Yeah, so, you know, she gets a T-shirt, and then she's, she then tells me then, it's like, don't worry, we got this, we got this, after I gave her the T-shirt. And then, apparently, she got 32 points, 18 rebounds. Now, Science. immediately went, because everybody was doing the interviews, and she had the 10-wire shirt draped over the seat next to her, which was perfect product placement. You were very excited about that picture, as well as you should have been. I planned that. That just happened. It, it, I mean, it's always better when it's organic. It's better when it's natural. So in, when I saw that picture, I reposted it and I said, I feel like she's going for a 30-piece. And boom, right away, 32 points, 18 boards, WNB history. So again, everyone listening, you're welcome. Yeah. That's all I can say. Like, change my mind. We're here for the entire country. I mean, it's really a public service that we're doing right now. You see, if we were in Doha and someone got a... I mean, hey, I mean, listen, people. If you want this level of success, I feel like you just got to make sure we're in the right spot. That's all I say. Yeah. What was Sacramento last year when you went to their games, when you went to Buddy's games? Sacramento hasn't lost a game since I've been going to Sacramento games. All right, cool. Just, Just saying. Now, as great as great as John Quill was, and of course, you can't tell the story of game two without mentioning that she was the most dominant player on the floor. The B storyline in that has to be who wasn't on the floor because WNBA MVP Elena Del Don left the game just after about three minutes, and I wasn't even in front of a TV yet, and you messaged me asking what happened, and I was completely confused at first. I got scared because I thought something happened to John Quell. So I was driving and immediately my heart, my heart sank because I was like, what the hell? You there? What do you mean what happened? <laughs> and so... Say, what happened to what happened to home girl? Yeah, I, but, but honestly, honestly, I was scared of shit when you said that. And then then I get I get to the TV and I hear the commentators talking about it. So Della Dawn leaves, she doesn't return, and that was a gut punch to the Mystics because not only did she lead them in points and rebounds in Game 1, she had 22 and 10 in Game 1, but she did a good job keeping Jonquil off the boards. And you could immediately see that once she wasn't in, in that game anymore... The son felt it, and John Quill knew she had more leeway to do what she had. Not that she couldn't do it against Del Don, but you know what it's like when the team's best player gets out. The the opposite yeah, team, they get a boost then. of energy. And no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Del Don is the best player in the world as a female player. Let's yeah. just put it that way. She is. Like, even watching her in warm-ups, watching her at the game, she's such a smart player, like, um, should do little things against JJ that you know the other players aren't doing. 
I'm not going to say it because I don't want them to listen to this because you know they are going to listen. They are going to listen to it. Like, exactly. be very careful. I'm not giving them my scout. Right now, they are trying to figure out what the hell John Kunu Punch is. Yeah, Gumbe Punch, Gumbe. Go- Kunu Punch, stop. There you Resistance. go. You can tell I never drink soda. Jesus Christ. No. But yeah, no, it's just um, a lot of people are like, oh, what happened? You know, people who really weren't into the game, who were sitting in the media section, it's like, is this stat line, right? Deladon has no points. I'm like, yeah, she went out in the first quarter. That's why she has no points. And then the fourth quarter, you know, you get the word of, oh, she's not coming back in the game. It's like, I could have told you that at halftime. Like, if she didn't come out at halftime, you know she's not coming back yeah, in the game. I think that was pretty clear once she didn't come out to begin the second quarter. Because yeah, I could see you sitting out. Just a reaction of just um, leaving the court. Like, at first I was like, oh, she must have to go to the bathroom. And then, like, when you see her run off the court, and then she ran, like, in the tunnel area, and she just, like, grabbed it back and bent, and there was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's not good. Yeah, Washington head coach Mike Thibault said immediately after she landed, she just turned to the bench and said, sub me out. And he said right there he knew that wasn't a good sign. So they had an MRI done. Nothing was conclusive right after game two, so that was just up in the air. They had an MRI done, and to this date, to this point right now, Recording this on a Thursday night, she had an MRI done, and the results of that, herniated disc. So there's going to be an update on Saturday, but as it looks right now, your league MVP has a herniated disc, and her return for this series is up in the air at this point. But even yeah, if she if you, does if you come have back... To put something, it's doubtful. Yeah. Like, it, that's just reality. Even if she does come back, um, the mobility of trying to play basketball at the highest level against the best competition with a herniated disc is not looking good for, for Del Doy. No, and this has been um, Washington's Achilles heels the entire time. Like, she always gets hurt. Like, um, the coach from the Sun said, they're used to playing without her. But there's a difference of playing with her and without her. Like, now they're going on the road for two games because... You know the the old saying: the series doesn't start until the road team wins a game. Oh God, I hate that saying so much, but it's so true. I, mean, I like it now. I mean, but. yeah. So now we have a series. Now the series has officially started. Exactly. So it's just like um, it's one of those things where they're going back to Connecticut. The stadium sold out. So it's a ten thousand seat stadium at the Mohegan Sun and the casino. It's sold out already. Because- so that crowd is going to be loud and ruckus at, at the arena. Because right now they they see it happening. They see it's in their sights. You got two games at home. The other team is missing their best player. So obviously, I think Washington is going to come out and they're going to have that boost of adrenaline where they want to do it without her. But there's just only so much that's going to happen when you don't have your best player on the floor. So unless there's some kind of dare antler spray that they can get their hands on between now and then, herniated disc, bro. That's rough. So. The Mystics are going to be the team that we saw for much of game two without their best player. Yeah, and it's like you never want to see this. And this goes with even with um, the Golden State Warriors. And it just goes to show how, like, a lot of if Clay Thompson didn't get hurt, a lot of people said that was going to game seven. You know? Like, it's, it's just those things where this now has turned into the favor for the Sun. They have everything. Um, they, they have everything in their hands right now. Like That's the biggest thing. Like They control the destiny with, without uh, Della Dawn in there. And with J.J. playing how she played, it, it could be 
it could be MVP type series numbers for her. Yes, and that is what I wanted to get to. So let's get back to JJ and this this possible MVP. So there was a moment late in the game, and I think this was pretty much a dagger play for it when JJ hits a three. The the clock's about to wind down. She hits a three. She didn't celebrate. She didn't crack a smile. She was just getting back on defense because it's almost as if like they knew okay we won game two this series is even but that means nothing so they still have this this the long-term goal in mind and right now continuing to play like this finals mvp leader yeah i mean if you think about this you take her stats right now of game two and you split them in half that's 15 and eight a game a nine game whatever nine a game you know it's like those, those are pretty insane numbers right now. Video game um, numbers. Yeah, like that literally was video game numbers that we saw, and I don't see why we shouldn't expect that at all. Like um, Alyssa Thomas has been; she's been averaging forty minutes a game. They haven't taken her out um, the game at all, and apparently she has two torn labrums. So that's why if you ever see her shoot a free throw, it looks terrible. Yeah, because she readjusted. Like I saw it, and I'm like, "What the hell? That's the ugliest free throw." I didn't know at the time. No, I, immediately when I saw that in warmups, I thought, "There's no way that's normal." Yeah, and I didn't realize she changed the shot completely for um to, to not get season-ending surgery. So she's been. I mean, she's key on def- defensively as well. But it's like you have a bunch of these role players like Jasmine Thomas, um, who's been playing big minutes, but you can see she's the leader of the team. She may not put up the biggest stat lines. But she's going to have, like, a 20-some point game. Don't be surprised if you see um, John Quell's numbers go down. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, like, 25 and 10. And then these other players have, like, a 20, 30-point game, especially playing at home. Well, the thing about it is, and the Suns calling card, the reason why a lot of people didn't pick them, and we mentioned this at the start, that lack of superstar, but they do it by committee. Like you mentioned, there are games when Jasmine Thomas could go off. Courtney Williams is a high-volume scorer. Alyssa Thomas is just as big inside as John Quill is uh, at times. So either one, and, and this is the only starting five that has been together for the entire WNBA season. They have not missed a game playing together. So that cohesive unit is there. And Kurt Miller said this was a plan that they had from 2016. 2016. Yeah. So you could see that they, they built towards this. They aim for this. And when they traded away the Ogwamike sister... And John Quell was able to really take the team over, and they gave her the keys. Then the Sun finally became what they thought they could be. Yeah, that, that's that's the crazy thing about it. Because remember, John Quell got drafted by LA. Yeah, and then she got traded. So literally, Connecticut—they didn't mortgage the future, but they just—they felt that John Quell was going to be the player of the future for them. Like that—that's the way. Like. It, if you look at it, uh, Deladon, she she's six foot five. You know, she plays power forward. But the M, the WNBA is almost like the old NBA game. If you have a big uh, a big man or big woman that could play, it makes a big difference. Yeah, like the, the ball that you could still run the ball through them. It's not like um, well, Washington plays that style. They play run and gun. So watch like if Washington doesn't make their shots, then they're not going to win. That that's just that's just the end of that. They have to shoot fifty five percent to win because they're they're a volume shooting team. Yeah, no no post players. Everyone's uh, shooting it from the outside. They space space the floor pretty well. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's just one of those things where 
the big man is still a, a big thing in the NBA. Like John Cruz averaging 22 and 12 right now, the two games. So let's place this into historical context, right? Because positive vibes only in the air. The Sun win game three and four. They win the series three to one. John Quell is WNBA Finals MVP. Place it into historical context what this means for Bahamian basketball to do something, like I said earlier, that is completely unprecedented, never been done by a Bahamian. Well, right now, you have to look at it this way. I was talking to, to Francis Delver. Like, we go up with the junior national team, and we, we were just talking. It's not an argument, because, you know, arguments in the Bombers are a different thing. But we were talking about John Quill and Buddy, and we were just like, as of right now, you know, you have John Quill, Buddy, and DeAndre, who are the best three professional basketball players we have, right? Right now, I put Buddy as the best basketball player in the Bombers. John Quill when it's all said and done, it's probably going to be the most decorated basketball player the Bahamas has ever had. Yeah. I mean, um, she's right now. She's, she's pretty close that. to that right now. <laughs> no, no. She, right now, she's still the most decorated player we have. But I believe when it's all said and done, John Cole Jones is going to be a Hall of Famer um, in basketball. There, I don't think there's going to be and ifs or buts about it because she's already shown that she's a defensive player. Um, She's already shown that she could come off the bench to play in the WNBA. She's already shown that she could lead a team. You know, she's been to two All-Star games. Um, it, it, it's it's crazy to think about just the talent level of, of what she, what she is. Like, she could very well be the MVP of the WNBA in a couple of years. You know? Yeah, I mean, um, there were a lot of pundits that had her in that conversation headed into this season. Yeah, but the thing is, she's still growing you know like she's still not she still hasn't hit a peak i think that that's that's the scary part about it like i believe once she gets it like it's gonna it's just it's gonna be unstoppable because she's gonna be defensively and offensively falling like it, it isn't gonna be just a oh you know average just a good score but not a rebounder she's gonna probably put up a stat line one year it's gonna be like 22 12 and four blocks a game you know like i can see that because she just changes the game tremendously. Do you feel like people at home have bought in as much as they should have? Because, I mean, we, we say it all the time with this. Like, we keep up with her the entire season because the things that she's doing, nobody else has, has been doing that kind of stuff before. But I still don't feel like that it factor is there. And, I, you know, a part of that may be just because the WNBA struggles with that in general and then I think a part of it is also Bahamians just being them. But what do you think well, it is why she hasn't achieved like that superstar status yet? You could you could just tell even just on our post alone when John call them lose and we post something, there's nothing. But let her win and put up a big game, and then the bandwagoners come on board. Like we we need to stop it as a, a society of jumping on the bandwagon because at the end of the day, they are playing at the highest level at, at their particular skill uh, uh, sport or whatever it is it's just like um, just like Tania uh, in the 200 meters yeah you know she came eighth place in the world championships eighth best in the world like we, we need to celebrate that as well you know it's something where we need to just medals are great we're spoiled we're spoiled as a country we're completely spoiled we're spoiled as having these great athletes playing at the highest level but yeah no with John Quill it's one of those things where I believe um 
she's a, she seems like a very reserved person. Um, she's not in the limelight like that, but it, it's going to get to the point where the same way how when, when Buddy comes from the airport and they pick him up from the tarmac, you know, they need to do the same thing with John Quill. Like, it shouldn't just go, go one way because it's, it's Buddy. I know the money is a big difference with, with how they get paid. But at the same time, she's out there playing, what, 10 months out of the year? Yeah. Because she has to play in Europe. And they like, didn't they win the European Championship? Yeah, her team? Te- her team did. Yeah, so it's like, she, you know, she's putting in all this time and effort and energy. And, and at the end of the day, she, she's still representing the Bahamas until, you know, and I think I think the most glaring factor uh, that that kind of exhibits that we overlook this is that you're the only one there. Yeah, no, that's kind of crazy. Like I would, I would expect it more. Like I'll be honest with you. Like I understand world championships is going on, and at the end of the day, it's something where we have. Let's put it this way: we know we have two great athletes at world championships. Yeah. Right, but we also have a great athlete playing, which isn't that far away from where we are. Remember, it, it, it takes eighteen hours to probably get to Doha, whereas Connecticut's you know, right on the east coast, bro. Yeah, it's on the east coast. It's easy to get to, and and I would have, and it, and the crazy thing is, these things are being played mostly on the weekend. You know, so it's not like you're you're missing out anything down the point. Even if a, they just came to a the Thursday game. and a Sunday, a Thursday and a Sunday. Uh, yeah, a, a Sunday and a Tuesday. You know, like. You get back on a Wednesday. It's not like you're missing missing that much. But yeah, no, it's um, like I say, it's one of those things. When I saw John Quill and I sat down, like you say, you know, she knows she knows the brand, which is um, important. Yeah, and and she uh, she saw I was there, so I get a little more access than what other people would get. Because at the end of the day, it's just not um, it's just not being in the media. It's being proud, you know. It's like seeing these athletes play at the highest level. Like, as people say, like we're going to be the people who will live to see the history. You know? Yeah. Who, we're not. We're not. We're not going to going to hear it secondhand. And the we're ones who have to tell to, the story. Exactly. So it's like I know um, John Chris and her mom and dad were there um, at the game. I didn't see them. I'd probably like to go. I probably. See if I could buck up with them with the cooking since they're in Connecticut, you know. I mean that that's that's important, John. Like, I could get some food and stuff. That, that, that's what's I mean, key. But that, um, that's very important. Yeah, I know. I'm gonna be. Uh, I'm getting in contact with the PR for the Connecticut Sun people because Game Three, they're doing a T-shirt drive for John Quell, and all proceeds are going to be going to hurricane relief from from the shirts that they're they're making uh, with Bahamas Strong John Quell shirts. So, so you know, and like I say, it's just bigger than it, it's. It's not just basketball. Like you're getting more stories out of this. Like it, uh, people out there are thinking, oh, I'm only like watch it on TV and and get that. Man, you can watch the World Championships on TV and get the same thing. <laughs> like yeah, it, it just what, no, what, that's what facts. Preference. Um, it, it's like you say, it, it's just people need to understand what the importance is of of, of what's going on. Like history is being made. Like as you say. This isn't the Olympics. This is the World Championships. We won gold medal in the World Championships before. It's not like it's never happened, but I guess the market dictates that Shawnee. If Shawnee would have fallen and come forth, no one would have cared. No, that's just reality. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just we, we need to we need to 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 go as a as a media 
uh, country media, like there needs to be an agenda of, hey, we need to be able to, to market and promote everything as opposed to just let's pick and choose and then use this as an, as an excuse not to do it. We're a country of front runners. Good thing for us is right now we have a front runner in the WNBA Finals. John, we're going to check back in. We're going to do this again after game three, which I'm sure Connecticut is going to be up 2 1. You can go off yeah, now. It's a, it's, and a, it's a sold out arena, so it's going to be crazy in there. Yeah, I'm already, I'm already putting it in there. Connecticut's going to be up 2 1. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You can go now and focus on UCF for the next 48 hours before you got to shift back to the WNBA. Yeah, definitely. All right, we'll catch up after game three. All right. Yeah, um, I think I just got on the offensive glass a lot, um, and that allowed me to just really get everything else going. Um, obviously, my teammates were looking for me, and we talked about um, getting me the ball more in game two, and um, I just wanted to deliver.